What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast. We are here live at Health 2.0 conference, and I am speaking with Matt Menning, the director of IHMI Engagement, uh, the American Medical Association, which I think most people that live in this country, at least, have heard of. First of all, welcome, Matt. Thank you. And uh, I'm excited to have you here because you gave a talk earlier today, which I would like to touch on in a minute, uh, about a topic that I think is important to a lot of people. But let's talk about your journey. You have been with the American Medical Association for just about 20 years, maybe almost 20 years, because I think you started in 1998, if my notes are correct. Uh, yes, and a, a few years uh, working informally there before that. So I'm up to technically almost 23. At so point. you've done your time, and you must have started when you were 16 years old there, so good for <laughs> you. Um, let's start with that. What interested you in the AMA, and what kept you around all these years? Because clearly... We do not live in an era where people stick around at companies even more than two years. So 20 plus years is a long time. Uh, indeed. And, and I, I think I also took a career trajectory at the AMA that you don't see all that often. I started there, as, as I mentioned before, I was formerly employed doing basic temp work uh, and uh, essentially worked my way uh, up through uh, secretarial jobs, uh, lower management jobs, uh, eventually to, to leading a number of departments at the AMA. Uh, why uh, has, has the AMA been a satisfying place for me to work? Uh, I, I didn't have a clear uh, sense of what I wanted to do coming out of college. I was an, an English major, uh, thus the temping, uh, and was, was really fortunate to find in the AMA a place uh, that uh, aligned with my values, a place that was doing uh, good, good work on behalf not only of a, a, a set of professionals, uh, but, but really uh, on behalf of, of the health of the nation. Uh, and a place where I found uh, challenging and, and satisfying work. I've been working with data products at the AMA for uh, all of my career, both uh, in, in management and, and otherwise. Uh, and it's been gratifying to see uh, those products make a difference uh, in improving the health of the nation. Well, that's a great answer. And I guess let's dig into a little bit of what the AMA does. So. Um, I believe we have your mission as promoting the art and science of medicine and the betterment of public health. I love the pithiness of that, by the way. Um, let's also talk a little bit about, you know, what, let's start with what does IHMI engagement mean? And um, what does a day in the life for you look like? I know you just mentioned the data piece, but walk through sort of, you know, what data you're bringing together, how you're bringing it together, who are you getting it from, who are you bringing it to? Sure. Uh, the uh, Integrated Health Model Initiative uh, is a relatively new one at the American Medical Association. Uh, we launched publicly in October of last year, uh, but have been working kind of quietly behind the scenes uh, for a couple of years, uh, trying to figure out uh, what, what kind of data structures uh, the industry needs uh, to solve uh, kind of clinical interoperability in the way that administrative interoperability has been handled uh, in this country uh, for a long time. Uh, the initiative itself is made up out of three components. Uh, engagement is one of them. Uh, the other two, I'll touch on them briefly, are a, a clinical review group, which is really at the heart of the initiative. Uh, the, the goal, as you said, 
uh, is to ensure that the data we're generating in healthcare is the right data uh, and that we can trust it when we're using it uh, to uh, analyze uh, information and make decisions about how to care for populations. So a uh, clinical review group uh, handles that piece and is convened uh, from the docs who make up the AMA and the specialty societies uh, in our federation. Uh, of course, uh, development uh, is uh, a second leg of the initiative. The folks who actually uh, create the models and the content sets that we aim to provide to the industry. Uh, and third, and I won't say least, uh, is engagement with which I lead. And, and our goal uh, is to build community around the work that we're doing. Uh, to bring to the table the, the group of collaborators who can help us solve the problem, uh, and then to act as a, a feedback loop uh, around the content and models that we're generating. Get those out uh, into use in industry, uh, understand uh, from the folks using them uh, where they're working, where they're not, uh, where we need to iterate. Uh, so the goal is to create essentially a continuous learning system around uh, what uh, is the meaningful data uh, to use in exchange in healthcare uh, and how how to do it. Well, that was a thorough explanation. Thank you. I feel better acquainted now with uh, the purpose. Um, you did give a talk earlier today, and this is going to segue into this because you had a couple of really interesting points that I think a lot of people take for granted. Uh, one is with all this data, sometimes people forget to remember who the end user is or to get the input of the critical people. So one of the things I think you mentioned was that, um, you know, five years ago, no one was interested in talking to the AMA. Um, now they understand that doctors are integral partners in the process. And your goal, meaning the AMA's goal, is to help doctors get the info that they need when they need it. And they don't have a ton of time to like pour through extraneous data, right? So let's talk a little bit about that and you know, how did you guys come to that? I guess what seems like a fairly obvious conclusion, but I think a lot of people still haven't gotten to that obvious conclusion. How are you making it easier for doctors to digest the data? Yeah, I think uh, the work we're doing in IHMI is one small piece of the work the AMA is doing to improve uh, the way that doctors interact with technology. Uh, and the impetus for that really came out of uh, a, another uh, unit at the AMA, the uh, Improving Physician Satisfaction Group, PS2. Uh, those guys, uh, five years ago, surveyed uh, huge swaths of our membership to try to understand uh, what is most uh, frustrating and troublesome for doctors in practice. Uh, and what came back uh, louder and clearer than anything else uh, was frustration uh, using electronic medical records and, and other systems. Uh, uh, feels like a huge waste uh, of time uh, with, without enough value on the other side of it. Uh, time that's taking you away from interacting with patients and providing care. Uh, there are a, a variety of ways that the AMA is trying to tackle this issue. Uh, I think through IHMI what we hope to do uh, is eliminate the need uh, for an understanding of provenance, eliminate the need uh, to go back to source material to understand uh, what a data point in your EMR is telling you. Uh, without context, without clinical validation, and, and without ensuring that uh, data is clinically uh, relevant, uh, it doesn't matter how much information you're providing to a doctor, uh, they're still going to have to spend a tremendous amount of time trying to parse and understand that information. Uh, our goal is to give them good, clean uh, data from the beginning, 
uh, allow the, the technologists, uh, the, the innovators here at Health 2.0, uh, to build the technology that, that allows them to utilize that data effectively, uh, but uh, take away the concern about uh, the usefulness of the data, uh, thereby uh, not just improving their ability uh, to provide uh, good support, make good decisions, uh, but also uh, saving them the time uh, that they would otherwise spend trying to uh, track down where data come from, uh, figure out if it's reliable or not, understand if it's worthwhile for them to use or not. So I'm going to draw an analogy. Um, there's a gentleman named Steve Jobs who probably 12-ish years ago uh, helped finally bring the music industry together around this common concept of music is digital, it's going to keep being digital, and this is where things are going. In spite of many attempts to thwart the Napsters of the world, many attempts to go their own route, I feel like we're in probably a similar area with the you know electronic uh, medical records and with so many different players. Uh, how do you guys replicate what Steve Jobs did for the music industry, because I think you are in a logical place to do it and the fact that you're focusing on it and you have people like you whose job it is to, to have this, but you have a lot of big egos in the space. You know, you have the providers, you have the physicians and the hospital systems, you have the pharma and biotech companies, you have the individuals, right? And then you have the big players like the Facebooks and the Googles and the Apples of the world who also would all maybe like to own this data. Or, or want to keep it proprietary enough that the other bad guys can't get to it. So this is probably your life that you live every day. Let's talk about that. Well, it, it, I, I guess I do want to be clear from, from the onset. Uh, what, what we're providing to the industry are, are tools for organizing uh, and exchanging information uh, in their systems, uh, information they're capturing from others. We're, we're not building a repository. Uh, we're not building a registry. Uh, we are not collecting health information or, or patient data. Uh, it's really about uh, common tools for organizing and understanding health information. Uh, so we, we strive uh, in that context to be as technology agnostic as we can. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, there are kind of two uh, areas of interoperability that, that need to get solved. Uh, one is the kind of systems interoperability that you just described. Uh, and I think there are certainly initiatives at the AMA uh, that are uh, working to try to bring consensus uh, to encourage uh, data sharing, to encourage data liquidity, uh, to en encourage uh, patients to, to take control of their, of their own health data and make decisions about uh, where they're going to move it. Uh, but that's uh, outside of the, the scope of what we're working on in, in IHMI. Uh, in IHMI, it, it's really uh, semantic interoperability that, that we're trying to get to. Uh, common understanding of common meaning uh, for the data elements that we exchange in healthcare. Uh, uh, a shared context that allows information to be exchanged and analyzed uh, regardless of whether it derived uh, from an EMR, uh, from a, a, a clinical information system, uh, or a, a device uh, that a patient's using to monitor their, their blood pressure in the home. Uh, what's important to us is that there is a consistent representation across all of those contexts. Thank you for the clarification. As I was making that analogy, you're right, Apple did certainly serve as a beneficiary for the outcome of that because they opened one of the biggest music stores ever. I was thinking more 
Job's ability to bring all of these disparate egos together and to say, look, it's happening that, you know, the MP3 or this certain standard, you buy them for 99 cents a piece. So all of those pieces that I was thinking more as the analog. Well, and that, it's still a good analogy. <laughs> uh, getting people to agree to system interoperability is, is really, 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 really hard. Uh, getting them to agree to semantic interoperability is something people have been working on for at least 20 years in this country, uh, and, and we're, we're not there yet. I think your, your Steve Jobs analogy uh, speaks to the power of an, an individual uh, to bring folks together around a problem. It also speaks, frankly, to the market power of, of Apple uh, at the time. Uh, and, and that's where I think the analogy holds up pretty well. Uh, AMA uh, has a history for 170 years uh, of convening the industry. First, uh, to create a code of medical ethics, the, the very first uh, output of the American Medical Association back 160 years ago, uh, through uh, data products that we've created like CPT, uh, in other aspects uh, of the organization, and it's that power that we hope uh, to utilize uh, to bring together the group of stakeholders, uh, really whose perspectives, whose work uh, is going to be needed to solve the problem. What does the time horizon look like on something like this? Because obviously you're chipping away, you've made good progress. I don't think there's ever a, we're finished, right? But when do you feel like you get to critical mass where you've really brought, you know, all these things together and created the matches and and made it so that it's fairly seamless almost like remember internet 15 years ago 20 years ago it's like if you got it you were lucky you had to dial in a lot of times it was not very good remember it painfully well yeah and now it's like you just sort of assume that wi-fi or connectivity is going to be everywhere you don't think about it anymore so how how far are we from getting to that point uh, we, we have an overview deck that you're fortunate I did not bring with me to show you today. And the last slide of that deck has a picture of kind of a setting sun. I'd actually like to swap this out because it makes me a little sad every time. Uh, but the legend on the deck is uh, a long journey. I think our expectation is uh, that this is not a problem we're going to solve overnight, uh, that we've got a lot of figuring out to do before uh, we uh, know how to scale beyond the use cases that we're working on now. It's one of the main reasons that I show up at these kind of conferences, uh, talk to as many people as we can, uh, both to understand what the market needs and, and uh, find innovative ways uh, of, of scaling beyond uh, relatively narrow use cases. So I think our expectation is uh, that it is a, a decades-long project for the AMA. Uh, another reason I think AMA is the right kind of organization to be doing this work, uh, we've got a track record of sticking with things for decades or centuries. Um, in the short term, though, uh, our, our focus is, is very much uh, on starting to organize and exchange information that, that is uh, starting to flood into systems from outside the four walls of medicine, places where clinicians have not uh, until the, the recent past been able to, to get information. Uh, and it's, it's home monitoring devices that individuals are using while we'll be working for a little while. Uh, just released content around uh, self-measured blood pressure by a patient in their home. Uh, we'll scale from there uh, to release content around glucose monitoring, uh, both uh, aligned with larger objectives uh, of the AMA, uh, reducing hypertension and, and identifying diabetes uh, are, are two core uh, initiatives for us. Uh, also, real interesting work going on uh, with uh, asthma inhalers and sensors uh, that will provide additional context to clinicians uh, through, through those. So in, in the short term, 
uh, I'll, I'll feel like we've made significant progress, uh, had a real impact. Uh, if we are demonstrating an ability to improve the readings that are coming out of those kind of devices, uh, reduce clinical variation uh, in the EMRs and analytics packages uh, where that data is showing up, uh, and, and make the ability to get uh, data directly from the patient valuable to clinicians rather than just you know one more a wave uh, of data kind of flooding them. Uh, I, yeah, I'll stop with that analogy before I go too much further. So I want to ask one elephant in the room question, which is, this is all great. I think a lot of people see the value, but one of the biggest conundrums is that while people, I think, want their data to be accessible, they want their physicians to be able to see it, there's always a concern around privacy, particularly around you get all this exhaust data from my devices or my records or whatever. What if my insurers get their hands on it? What if you know they see um, pre-existing conditions? I know we the American, um, the Obamacare, uh, you know, sort of helped with that, but we live in a time where that has, we've had people trying to overthrow that. So how do you make sure that you can allay the concerns of the people that are afraid of that scenario happening while at the same time making sure that they see, you know, that it is being protected, that it's getting into the right hands and that the insurers aren't going to come in and, you know, sort of steal their data and ding them from a financial perspective. Uh, sure. It, it, the good news for me on this question uh, is, is that I don't have to worry about it too much for the Integrated Health Model Initiative. You know, as, as we discussed, uh, the initiative is about providing tools uh, to let others uh, organize and exchange that health information. Uh, and it's really about how we represent uh, health content uh, consistently. Uh, we're not uh, providing uh, tools uh, that actually exchange. You know, we're not Fire, we're not Akiri. Uh, I, I would encourage you, uh, th this is an important question, and it's a question that we care a lot about at the AMA, so I don't want to create the impression that, that the organization doesn't care about this question. Uh, just every now and then, it's nice not to get stuck with this, the, the sticky hard one. Uh, I would encourage you to, to seek out and talk to uh, folks uh, from a, a company called Akiri, A-K-I-R-I. -I. Uh, the AMA about four years ago uh, set up uh, essentially an innovation incubator uh, here in, in the Bay Area uh, and has been working on uh, both uh, raising money and understanding where there's needs since then. Uh, late last year, they spun out the first uh, company from that venture, it's Akiri, uh, focused entirely around uh, safe, secure, private exchange uh, of health information. So uh, another area where the AMA is tackling an, another aspect of the interoperability problem uh, and I, I think exciting and interesting work that's, that's well worth digging into. Well, that's helpful and I am always looking for good uh, podcast targets. Uh, I will look them up. I do live out in the Bay Area, so hopefully we can set something up in person. So thank you for that recommendation. Um, this is where we'll shift gears from sort of the headier, heavy stuff into a little bit more about you and find out what makes the, the smart people we interview tick. Uh, the first question, which I always love to hear the answer to, is tell us something about yourself that people don't know. 
I talk too much, and so I'm not sure exactly uh, what, what's going to be new to folks. Uh, but one of my favorite things to talk about is is my interest in uh, skyscraper conduction and and high-rise architecture in general. You know, it's uh, wonderful to work for the American Medical Association for lots of reasons. One of them is uh, we're right in the heart of Chicago, uh, at the top of what used to be the IBM headquarters. Uh, and there is no better venue, uh, the, well, perhaps not in the world, but uh, in downtown Chicago uh, to, to, to watch kind of the amazing uh, feat of building a hundred story building day by day. So, so I'll ask a follow on geek question to that. Which uh, city do you think has the most interesting skyline? I mean, Chicago, certainly I was just there a few weeks ago, definitely one of the top, but uh, there's going to be some globally where you like, you know, they've done it right and they have the most fascinating. I'm a Midwesterner and I've lived in Chicago for, for 30 years. I uh, studied the architecture there for a long time. I, I'm not going to give you a different answer. I think Chicago by far uh, has got the, the best set uh, of uh, architecture of the last 200 years. How about two or three? Uh, yeah, this is a debate that goes on and on and on on these architecture forums. Uh, I guess to my mind, uh, you got uh, Hong Kong. Uh, and you got New York City. Good answers. It's an interesting one. As someone that travels quite a bit, I do think about it, and uh, it is interesting to see what makes an interesting skyline, right? Both from a breadth, a height, and sort of diversity perspective. So, built environments in general are fascinating, and maybe that's why I found a connection to, to building data products. Yes, well, it all comes full circle. Um, second question, any books that you've read over the last year or two that have inspired you that you'd like to share with our guests? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll speak to a specific book, but a general theme. Uh, I read a series, I think, called the Annihilation Series by Jeff Vandermeer, uh, science fiction that imagines uh, a near future altered by events uh, happening uh, currently. Uh, across the board, uh, when I'm looking for entertainment, those are, are the kind of books I like to read. I, I like uh, anything that, that encourages me to think about uh, how trends uh, in, in the world we live in right now uh, may evolve into a very different looking future. Well, it sounds not uplifting per se, but fascinating, and uh, we'll have to check them out. And I like the balance, by the way, because some of these are very sunshine. But we do live in a world where sometimes not everything is always happy, right? We need to the be themes pregnant. are dark, but the, the, the kind of way of thinking is, is uh, stimulating. Well, and I haven't heard that one before, so that's a good addition. The last one, which is a fun one. So you're on a deserted island, which one might argue would not be that much fun. But um, you can only bring one album with you. Which album would you pick and why? This is an incredibly hard question, especially as one who's got a fairly large music library. But if, if there's one album I've gone back to consistently since I was a kid, uh, it's Pink Flag by Wire. Uh, late 70s, early art punk. Uh, un gets a lot of critical appreciation. Uh, should be right up there with the, the seminal works of, of rock history as far as I'm concerned. And I uh, can and do listen to that album uh, over and over again on a regular basis. Well, another another good one. Not surprising you'd go a little bit on the obscure side, so very cool. Everyone should know this album. Well, and now they will, right? And this is the beauty of this, is I pull songs out of this and, um, you know, new artists, so I, I appreciate the thinking there. So this is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What's to Know podcast show. Uh, I've had the luxury of spending some time here with Matt Menning. 
He is the director of IHMI Engagement, which is part of the American Medical Association. Thank you so much, Matt, and uh, this was a fun interview. Thanks, you, Aaron. I really appreciate the chance to talk. Enjoyed it. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at whogroup.com slash what to know.